the story of a boy who dreamed of becoming a man, but dreamed up a monster instead. It has hunted you since the summer of 1994, back when we confessed who we were through mixtapes, when every movie at the video store had dirty heads. You were 13 and thought you knew who you were, only the shadow with too many teeth knew you better. It still does, and it won't stop, not until you come home, back to where it all began. Part cosmic horror, part coming of age story, Dirty Heads is a terrifying read from the author of House of Size, The Fallen Boys, and A Place for Sinners. Out now. Starting Saturday, 11th of September, Season 2 of Author Question Time on Ross Jeffrey's YouTube channel. Join Bram Stoker Award-nominated author Ross Jeffrey alongside co-hosts T.C. Parker and Kev Harrison as they discuss books, writing and creativity with huge names in horror and dark fiction like Josh Malaman and Alan Baxter, alongside some of the most exciting new voices on the indie scene such as Eric LaRocca, Hayley Piper and Laurel Hightower. Come, bring your questions, join in the conversation. Twisted Tainted Tales Splatterpunk Award nominated author Janine Pipe delivers urban legends, supernatural stories and a few surprises. Mixing flash fiction and short tales, you can be sure this book is twisted and perfect for Halloween. Featuring a forward by Glenn Rolfe and gloves from Brian Keane, Hunter Shea and Tim Meyer. Available on Amazon. Thank you. Thank you everybody for joining us for another episode just quick reminder our friend michael david wilson at the this is horror podcast is running a writing and editing consultation service for more information on that go to michaeldavidwilson.co.uk slash editing it was as if the video had unzipped my skin slunk inside my tapered flesh and become one with me from the creator of This Is Horror comes a new nightmare for the digital age, The Girl in the Video by Michael David Wilson. After a teacher receives a weirdly arousing video, his life descends into paranoia and obsession. More videos follow, each containing information no stranger could possibly know. But who's sending them and what do they want? The answers may destroy everything and everyone he loves. The Girl in the Video is the ring meets fatal attraction for the iPhone generation. Available now in paperback, ebook, and audio. Welcome to another episode of Dead Headspace Spotlights episode. This is the very last one for this season, season two, the year 2021. Spotlights episode, for those that are new to this, is a mini version of our full episode where we do a, the guest has a reading, and uh, before or after, depends on the guest, uh, the choice, uh, we do some brief talks about it so today oh sorry i'm getting ahead of myself um i am your host patrick r mcdonough joined always by my co-host brennan lafaro say hi brennan hello everybody 
And today we are joined by the incredible Kathy Koja. Hello, Miss Kathy Koja. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to be here tonight. Fun fact, you are the reason why we started thinking about doing uh, a branch mini series because the readings don't really fit with the full version episodes that we got because those are more conversational and we wanted to do a reading and you saying you wanted Dr. Seuss just kind of stuck with us and um, this is the 10th one we've done in the last three, four months. Um, So thank you. You are the reason why we started it. Me and Dr. Seuss, cool beans. Start with Cena Palayo and ends with Kathy Kojari and Dr. Seuss. That's a pretty good. And this is my first public reading of Dr. Seuss. I've read for, you know, small people, but I have never publicly read from Dr. Seuss. So I am excited. And, you know, I was thinking about this. I was was telling people we were going to do this tonight. As adults, when you when you have a reading or when you go to a reading or you see one on Zoom, we don't get read to anymore and that was one of the great things of being a kid right is having somebody read you a bedtime story and small it was awesome and yet when you're an adult somehow no one does that for you anymore it's kind of cool that's why we all love you know audiobooks that's why we love podcasts it's someone telling us a story and all we have to do is listen which is pretty cool that's so sad i never even thought of that yeah i love (laughs) audiobooks i guess that's (laughs) Especially if it's like a really great narrator who really pulls you in. That's why I don't understand. I know people, you read them or listen to them while they're driving, but I can't. I have to pay attention. That would be, to me, that would be like trying to drive and read. And it's, it, it can't. It can't. I have to sit down and pay attention, and then you get lost in it. So, Absolutely. Brennan, do you have any uh, questions, sir? Uh, no, but like I'd like to jump in on that. I was just, I, you know, I love to go on uh, a morning walk if I can get my butt out of bed early enough. And I used to really enjoy doing it to music. And lately I've been, you know, taking a book with me, uh, not walking and reading. That's very dangerous. But like, you know, playing an audio book. And th- there is something very comforting about it, um, especially if you're up early in the morning. It's not quite light out and you've got, you know, a great story in your ears. Um, I never really thought about it in terms of once you hit adulthood, nobody's reading to you. So, you know, we do have to kind of uh, rely on electronic devices to do that mothering job for us. But there is an innate comfort in it. There is. And you're 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 lost in the story, but you trust the voice that's leading you. Right. So you don't have to. Although I remember reading. I never somehow I never had read or or had read to me the Velveteen Rabbit when I was a kid. And I came to, it's like, oh, this is a classic, you know, I'll get it for my own child. And and as I'm reading it to him, he's like, is that rabbit going to be all right? I'm like, honey, I don't know. I've never read this before. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you know the story where the, the Velveteen Rabbit wants to become real and then the, the kid who has him has scarlet fever and they're like, throw that old bunny on the trash rubbish heap to be burned. Oh. And we're like, oh shit, is that what's gonna happen? This is not good. This is not cool. Not cool. So that was that was one of the few times where both the narrator and the uh, and the recipient were in equal straits saying, Oh shit. That's awesome. But we're not there tonight. Tonight we're with Dr. Seuss. 
Fun fact, Dr. Seuss is also a masshole like me, Brennan. <laughs> Out in Springfield, Massachusetts, they have a little statue from. I wish it was like kind of amusement park because that guy should have oh, his own man. amusement park. Oh my God! Like Six Flags, only all Doctor Seuss. Exactly. Yeah. No, I went to. I, I have gone to that. Um, what is it? Uni- is it Universal Studios that has Doctor Seuss theme park? I don't know. Is it good? It's. Well, it's not the whole theme park. I can't remember. It was like either Universal or part of something in Disney World. Um, yeah, it's fun, but it's not an entire amusement park, which is what I would like. This is what it should be. It should be the Sala Salu amusement park, and then you go through all this shit, right, that the guy goes through in yep. Sala Salu. This is so great. And then, that's what I love about his books, that he was not afraid to say things to kids. Like, life sucks sometimes. And even though <laughs> yeah. you're doing your very best, like the, the part where this guy goes through all these tribulations, plus the book isn't even half over. And he finally gets to this bus stop and it says, notice to passengers using our line. We are sorry to say that our driver, Butch Myers, ran over four nails and has punctured all tires. So until further notice, the 442 cannot possibly take you to Salah Salute. But Dr. Seuss was unafraid to to say, yeah, things are going to be, you're going to have problems. There are lots of problems. And even though it's not your fault, this is going to happen to you. So what are you going to do about it? How are you going to handle it? So, but the book that I've chosen to read from tonight goes, it, it, it hasn't gotten to that point yet. This is a very, this is almost like his haiku book. So. Mm. It's one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. But I'm not showing the pictures because in true audiobook fashion, you have to, to make the pictures up in your head. I'm not going to read the whole book because we don't need to read the whole book. First, we're going to start with Ned. Okay, I love Ned. Ned Ned's got problems. <laughs> Who am I? My name is Ned. I do not like my little bed. This is no good. This is not right. My feet stick out of bed all night. And when I pull them in, oh dear, my head sticks out of bed up here. Isn't that sad? Yeah. (laughs) He can't get comfortable. He can't. He totally can't. Tall bastard. Then later in the book... This woman's calling him up and she says, hello there, Ned. How do you do? Tell me, tell me what is new. How are things in your little bed? What is new? Please tell me, Ned. Nowadays, Ned would be on the socials, right? (laughs) Look at this shit. And Ned says, I do not like this bed at all. A lot of things have come to call. A cow, a dog, a cat, a mouse. Oh, what a bed. Oh, what a house. Man, that is a trouble. You guys are not laughing as hard as I am. I'm telling you, Ned is having problems here. I'm just thinking about, like, the creation of of anything written by that, that guy. They're wild. And the the drawings, I mean, we're all familiar with his with his style. and mm-hmm. But the sheer oddity 
of things that are happening on every page of this book. This one, this has my personal, uh, this is my personal religion. This is where I get any religion that I have is actually from this book. That's awesome. These two kids who are kind of like our viewpoint kids throughout the whole book. And one of them says, did you ever fly a kite in bed? Did you ever walk with 10 cats on your head? Did you ever milk this kind of cow? Well, we can do it. We know how. If you never did, you should. These things are fun. And fun is good. That is my true religion. It's a hell of a mantra. Seriously, fun. And, and fun is good because without fun, without fun, and not just trial off fun, but the, the fun that when you're really making something happen and you're really having a good time and you're really, especially if you're with other people and you're creating something together, it actually is good. I mean, you all know that you're making, this is super deep, right? Saying these things are fun. Yeah. Is good. Fun is a good in its own right, right? It doesn't have to necessarily lead to anything else. You're playing a game. You're walking with 10 cats on your head. You're milking this kind of, and the cow looks super happy too. The cow, <laughs> oh, yeah, being milked. So, but these things are fun, and fun is good. We're supposed to be enjoying our time on this planet, right? Absolutely. Well, not only that, but like the the one that strikes me is the you know walking walking with ten cats on on your head because. All of the examples are like just these super out of left field. What the fuck? Like who's walking around with 10 cats on their head? But it's like, again, we're looking for depth here, but it's like, well, did you ever try it? No, I never (laughs) even thought about it. Uh, Well, well, you should. It's fun. You know, what the hell? Live a little. Do something wacky. (laughs) Live outside the box. Like the cat in the hat, right? That's the whole burden of the cat in the hat. Because the cat in the hat is like, Hey, you guys, yeah, it's rainy, so what? And then he starts doing all these things in the house and the fish, Mr. Crinklebine. It's like, you can't do that. And he's like, fish, you know, get off my ass. Right? <laughs> We're going to have some fun together. We're going to do some things. And the fish is like, you shouldn't do that while your mother, you, you shouldn't, he should not be about, you should not be here when their mother is out. And then at the end of the book, it's so great. It's so subversive at the end of the book. The mother comes home, right? And the cat has magically fixed everything so everything looks perfect again. And then the mom is like, so what'd you guys do? (laughs) And the narrator, you know, the kids are like side-eyeing each other. And the narrator is like, well, what would you do if your mother asked you? And that's the end of the book, right? And it's like, you know, these kids are going to lie. There's no way they're going to tell the truth. No kid on earth would tell the truth. Well, there was this cat, you see, and and he was using your clothes for kites, and he was, you know, messed up the fish. And then there was thing two and thing one. Don't let's even get started on that. Yeah. But it ends with this really moral question: like, what would you do if your mother asked you? And yeah. there's this like magical innocence of childhood implied there. The whole idea that like adults. Adults are no fun. And, you know, the the mother can't even conceive of all of this stuff. So it's almost, I I don't know, I always kind of looked at that to a degree as 
part of them is part of the kids because I, you know, I, I never really even really thought of it as a question. I just assumed that the kids didn't tell her. It's like it's it's for me. It's almost that next page is almost written, but it was almost a matter less of we don't want to get in trouble and more like oh she'd never believe this. You know, forget her, <laughs> let her go about her point, boring right? adult life. I, I, I don't even have the vocabulary to tell you what we were just doing. So yeah, just skip it. Yeah, no, we, we didn't do anything. We looked out the window all day. Everything's but, cool. But here's the thing: the uh, geometrics to the patterns and so forth in that world, that reality, isn't anything like ours. So, hearing you guys talk about this makes me think: well, what what would the mother say if she knew the truth? Would that be because the fish can talk? Can other can adults hear them? Do they? Do they have the same logistics and uh, expectations as we do? I know that's way deeper than any kid's going to think, but I'm just wondering. You don't know, though, kids. I mean, if maybe who else but a kid, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. the fish doesn't talk to the mother. Maybe the fish tried or realizes it's, it's just pointless. I mean, <laughs> in the, the great Disney tradition everybody's mother is dead back in the old movies, right? Before anything can even happen. It's yeah. like you're extraneous to the story. You're, you're, you're not part of the adventure. So, and how the, right. The kids can always talk to, you know, magical beings and the parents are like, why do you have an imaginary friend? And everyone has a story of things that happened that they didn't tell their parents. Like you're saying, not because they were afraid. It was like not even on the table, not even, I remember things where it's like we didn't even get the grown-ups involved, right? And then they'd come in afterwards and go, why are you slamming all these doors? It's like, you didn't even want to know, okay? <laughs> you wouldn't understand. You wouldn't understand. It's We're a just, kid thing. Just and go, what are you doing? Nothing. I mean, what else can I tell you, right? Well, not only that, but the one time you do let them in on it, they don't understand, you know, thereby proving the rule. <laughs> right. And they're right. Or they or they try to understand, and then it's like awful and embarrassing, and you're like, "Oh dear, no, we're not doing that." Do you know the story? And I'm I'm embarrassed. I can't remember the name of the writer. Mimsy were the Bora Groves, and they made a shitty movie about it called Mimsy. That sounds familiar. I haven't seen it though. It's, and the movie is bad. I didn't watch it. Full closure, <laughs> but it's very bad. I was in. It was playing in a room I was in, and <laughs> that was bad enough. But the story is about these three kids who get this box full of objects that their parents can't identify. And the kids are staggered in age. I think the oldest is 10 or something. And there's a little one and they start playing with the toys and the little one is catching on faster than anybody to what these toys can really do. And at the end of the story, the kids are gone. The kids have been translated into some other reality because the in the in the story the narrators are saying, well, we're operating, the adults are operating on, you know, X logic, but they're operating on some other logic entirely. That's why the littlest one, who is the least infected by current grown-up reality was the one who figured out the toys the fastest and taught mm. the other two and then they all just whoop disappeared <sighs> and there's no way the grown-ups can follow them the toys are still there but they they don't know how to use them they can't be translated 
That's crazy. I thought that uh, Mimsy were the Borogoves. I thought that was something that the the Mad Hatter and Alice in Wonderland spouted out. It is. It is. That's where the title comes from. Hmm. And it awesome. has significance in the story, and I can't remember that either. So I'm not very good at this. But it does have. <laughs> there is. There is. There's a reason that there. Maybe he's quoting it because. That operates on its own logic, too, right? And Alice, that's the other great thing about Alice in Wonderland. Alice never, like, learns a valuable lesson. She just goes there and she's like, fuck, this place is crazy. <laughs> wow. The Mad Hatter wasn't in the original story, too. The original story was written, you know, by Lewis to Alice Little. And Lewis Carroll illustrated everything, Um I think it's a museum that the original book's in over in England, but um, isn't it's very strange to not think of that character and the tea party scene in the final, what we know as the final product. Um, that the Mad Hatter to me has always him and the Cheshire Cat. They're the ones that get it. They have fun. <laughs> and and the and the Cheshire Cat especially because. And the Cheshire Cat can peace out whenever he wants to. He's yeah. like, I don't care. And what's the thing? Have you ever seen a cat without a grin? Well, have you ever seen a grin without a cat? I mean, <laughs> it's so crazy. They're, I, the only film I've ever seen of Alice in Wonderland that did it justice was the Jan Svankmeyer short, where it's so weird. Everything is so weird and kind of janky and dangerous and you're saying okay this is what wonderland would really be like this is it's operating on its own logic that's why through the looking glass is not as much fun that's kind of attacked on that was that's a sequel that's never as good as the original but but yeah they i don't know if you could say alice is having fun is alice having fun she's she's on an adventure mm. I think she's trying to not die. <laughs> <laughs> Could she have died in Wonderland? Well, the queen definitely tried to kill her. <laughs> Could she? That's really. I know there's at one. I think it's in the. It has to be in the second book where it's like, don't wake up the White King because if you wake him up, we'll all be dead because we're all in his. We're only part of his dream. And Alice is like, yeah, no. Maybe that isn't that. Now I don't even remember. But, yeah, she's not. I don't know if we could say that she's having fun. She's she's certainly having a vivid experience. But at least she keeps going with it, right? And she's yeah. not. I need to get back. I need to. She just keeps going. So good for Alice. There used to be, and I don't think it's in this room, and I can't say it in German, um, this instructive little book of German, like, moral tales for children, and they're so horrible. One of my teachers gave it to me when I was, like, in third grade, and I don't think you could do that now because <laughs> one of the kids... He's, his mother's trying to cure him from sucking his thumb, and she's like, you watch out, because the scissor man is going to come. And he's like, what? And so as soon as she leaves, he starts sucking his thumb again, and 
the illustration is just unbelievable, but the text is, the door flew open, in he ran, the great red-legged scissor man. Oh, I don't like that I at all. Know, right? <laughs> he cuts off his thumbs with <clears throat> scissors and then leaves. And then the mother comes back and it says, and, and there he stands and looks quite sad and shows his hands. And the illustration is like, gore, you know, his stomps. And she says, aha, I knew he'd come, naughty little suck-a-thumb. <laughs> That's a mom's reaction. Problem solved, though, I mean. I so. <laughs> He's not going to suck his thumbs again. Isn't it a little harsh? Oh, my God. Oh, well, yeah. maybe. <laughs> That's his mom, right? He's like, she's like, oh, I told you so. There's yep. another story later in the book where a rabbit shoots a hunter, which I was all about that one. <laughs> and but they're all stories like that, or like this kid who starves himself to death because he won't eat. And like on the fifth day, he's dead. And these are like little moral stories that you were supposed to, you know, pay attention to and learn not to suck your thumb and to eat your soup and whatever. But they weren't, there aren't any, well, that's not true. I was going to say there aren't any morals in Dr. Seuss. There are, but they're kind of, they're more like real life like Sala Salu, where it's like, shit's going to happen. You got to deal with it. You know, you're, I don't know what the moral is, the cat in the hat. What's the moral of the cat in the hat? Don't talk to adults. <laughs> don't trust anyone over 35. Don't <laughs> I was going to say don't trust cats, but most people listen to this and maybe you guys are going to kill me for saying that. <laughs> They're mischievous, and uh, I don't know the the goldfish kind of. Maybe he rubs off from the mom's personality. Maybe she's just a, you know, a negative Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> really, because the goldfish is so stressed out through the whole thing, right? Even though everything is calm in the end, the goldfish is miserable. Yeah, no, he's the he's the voice of 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 authority or the voice. Of, he's not authority. He can't really do anything, but. He's like the voice of don't, you know, be careful. Don't, don't do that. Maybe, maybe it's just a whole bunch of like, <laughs> what is the term? Uh, neurological disorders. You know, you got, you got the things that are like narcotics um, or neurosis, not narcotics, neurosis. Uh, you got the, the anxiety from the fish, uh, manic from the cat. There you uh, go. That's all I got. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, you definitely have to delve like a lot it, deeper. The id and the ego, right? Like the thing two and thing one are like the id, where they're like, whoa, we're busting out of our crates. We're just going to do. And what's so great about that story is that shit keeps escalating, where you go, okay, the cat has already you know, wrecked all the stuff, and and then he's like, oh, wait, you'll like this even better. And he lets them out of the crate. Have you guys seen the trailer where it's for when the new It came out, but it's a cat and hat? And it's <laughs> it's really creepy. That's horrible. Yeah. No, no, that is unfilmable. Even the cartoon, it's like, eh, don't, don't. You should, don't do it. It can't be done. The Sneetches has a moral i mean the sneeches is like no kind of sneeches the best on the beaches bitches so that's my wife's favorite i love the sneeches i know and it's and it's so great because all this one guy is in it for is just to grift them right 
grifting <laughs> them out of their money. Throughout, although how they have money, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. But yeah, he shows up and says, oh, I can fix you. And they keep giving him money. That sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Take it in by this grifter, right? Who just blows out of town with all their money and they sit there and go, but we're better than someone, aren't we? Aren't we better than someone? <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have any more readings that you'd like to do? I do. Let's hear them. Two more. We're going to do Clark last of all. Sure. And... No, no, no. You know what? Let's let's go. I thought there was one more Ned, but there's not. I I feel I love Ned. Ned's probably my favorite. But no, we're gonna read. And this is this sums up everything that we've just talked about. Okay, this is, and I will show the illustration for this because it's so great. <laughs> These viewpoint kids have this giant. I don't even know what you would call it. This glass apothecary jar contraption with this enormous creature who has a lot of tentacle-like legs and huge tusks and big yellow eyes. And these kids are carrying this giant ass jar up the stairs. And they say, look what we found in the park, in the dark. We will take him home. We will call him Clark. He will live at our house. He will grow and grow. Will our mother like this? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Kathy. I never really kind of picked up on the Lovecraft elements of one, one fish, two fish before. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm glad someone thought that besides me. <laughs> it's so great. This giant, it's like, we found him in the park in the dark. <laughs> Who left him there? Don't know. Not part of our calculations. We don't care. And it's just so great. Will our mother like this? <laughs> that wasn't really part of our calculations either. I guess we'll find out. They don't, I mean, they don't even go that far. That's why it's. So much of this is about pure anarchy. Like the cat is anarchy, right? Yeah. And and that these things are fun, and fun is good. They didn't stop to think, should we bring this giant thing home? They just did it. It's kind of like a, a child introduction to what drugs are like. <laughs> <laughs> like the safe version. Okay, that's a new thought on me. I had not thought of this. This is like, this is the, the pure. But when you're a kid, those moments of pure imagination, you don't automatically tell yourself no, right? Like that can't happen. That can't happen. Because things do happen. I mean, and we, when we grow up, we kind of learn to go, oh, that was a coincidence or, oh, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Been on stuff, but. Things happen. I mean, what if what if you were a kid and you found this incredibly strange? How can you just leave it there? You got to take it home, right? Yeah. If you're yeah, not, uh, I'm even, 
I'm even thinking like a much, much more innocent version of like going down to the pond and, you know, coming home with a bucket, like a uh, massive bullfrog in it. And it's like, look what I got. Look what I brought home. And, you know, the reaction you get is, what the hell are we going to do with this? (laughs) Right. You're like, I wasn't thinking that far. I was thinking, look how cool this is. And I wanted to. We can't leave this giant thing in a jar sitting in the park. I mean, this is our good fortune that we found him. It's like what is like in Jack and the Beanstalk, right? Where it's like magic beans, throw those out the window. Blammo! If if only people would just listen to the children, right? Yeah, the child in your head is always right. I'm thinking of the implied aftermath too, like the the next page that we don't get, where they say, "Look what we found," and you know, mom cracks the basement door, a little sliver of light shines down the stairs on this abomination. <laughs> this godless creature. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and the kids come upstairs and they have little buttons that say no gods, no masters. <laughs> and mom's like, wait, what now? <laughs> but yeah, you can't, you, you have to, the, the whole message of Dr. Seuss is these things are fun and fun is good. And you have to bring anarchy into your life because otherwise you turn into the fish. You know, the fish is also a creature in a bowl. Yeah. But he's not happy, right? He is not happy. And this thing, whatever it is, this thing is really happy. I'd like so to think the cat's kind of a prankster, too. I love pranks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's why he's always like, oh, Mr. Crinklebine, chill out. This is fun. We're having a good time. Even though... He's not, but he keeps sort of hoping that the fish might want to join in and laugh with them. <laughs> I don't want to cut you off, Kathy. So, is there any? Was there one more reading that you wanted to do? No, Clark in the park in the dark. I'm yeah, gonna, that's what you got to end with. That, yeah. Yeah. I figure, but not gonna do better than that tonight. <laughs> I enjoyed it. So, where can people follow you? People can find me on Twitter where I rarely stop talking and I'm on Facebook and I lurk around on the gram. So I'm trying to keep my perfect streak of never posting on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I post on other people's stuff. And yes, and they can um, find me at kathykoja.com if people want to send email or they can look at darkfactory.club, which is what I do 24-7. So Awesome. Available in all those places. Or I'm in the park in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) With a thing named Clark. Do you have any final thoughts, Kat? (laughs) Will you write a Dr. Seuss book with me one day? (laughs) No, I'm just joking. Do you you have any final thoughts? I I would love to be able to write a picture book. I think picture books are one of the highest form of human art because you can do so. I mean, look at that little just the few words that we read and this whole entire world is conjured. I mean, I think if you can yeah. write a really great picture book, you have done something outstanding. So perhaps someday in my future, I will never be as good as Clark in the dark, but maybe I'll do a picture book someday. Never even thought of this, but that's for the most part, uh, kind of flash fiction, isn't it? It's under those books have to be under a few thousand words. Oh, yeah. You, every single word counts. It's not a novel where you mm. can get away with, like, little loose ends. 
No, I think in where the wild things are, it's like less than 200 words. Holy what? shit. Really? Well, seriously, go back and count it. There is that not, tracks. Yeah. It's short. No, you're right. I, yeah. uh, it's been a few years, but yeah, you're right. Wow. Um, this is really funny. I wasn't even planning this, but like me and, um, Susan Straub, uh, Peter Straub's wife, we were talking sat, what was it? Saturday, right, Brennan? Yeah, Saturday mm-hmm. morning. Um, and she came out with her first book was a picture book, and we talked a lot about picture books. That's made her main focus, and um, it's really neat. It's really neat what you can do with it, and I, I too would like to tackle that. It's just a fun. It's fun. Um, I wish there was more dark fiction picture books, but Doctor Seuss is definitely something that is some. It kind of tackles everything. And he's not he's not afraid to go weird places. So and especially if you <laughs> yeah. think of how long ago these books were written. Was it in the sixties? Oh yeah. Because um they were there when I was little and that has been a minute, so I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was him and uh Stan Lee from Marvel. They used to write something together. For, I want to say USO shows and for the troops back in the forties. I can't remember exactly what. Damn, I wish I looked this up before we talked. But um, yeah, I know that he has been doing it for quite some time, um, or did it for quite some time. I wonder what he'd write about nowadays. And he died. It's so much harder now, although people still said this is nonsense and kids shouldn't like this. But now, especially now, parent I mean, there are parents who are mad at books that they have never looked at or read or, you know, it's, it's like, OK, you have to. And publishers are. I would imagine they have to be running a little scared just because here there's always a potential blowback no matter mm. what you do. So you have to, the only way to meet that is to just go straight at it and say, no, we're not, not talking to kids and we're not changing and we're not because no, no, you're just wrong. Yeah. Bunch of jackasses. That's not <laughs> kids safe, right? You don't keep, that's what all the old fairy tales were about too, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about, you're never going to meet the monster. It's it's how you learn. That's how you do meet it in fiction, and then you learn how to meet it in real life from that. And Agreed. Kids ignorant doesn't. That keeps nobody safe. Yeah, grim tales that came from the Grim Brothers. They got that from older folklore, um, going way back. So yeah, it's definitely. The only difference is it's written down in a different format. It's not oral storytelling um all right we can talk forever about that so brennan final <laughs> thoughts sir <laughs> uh you know obviously i was excited to hear kathy read from uh dr seuss but the biggest thing is just you know the last time we had john and we had john for like two and a half hours and you just spouted wisdom at us the entire <laughs> time i knew we were gonna get you know a way of looking at these stories that i've been reading and having read to me for over 30 years now uh, to, just to be able to look at them from a different perspective. And that is exactly what I got. So I am very appreciative of that. Um, I like that we kind of skimmed the edge of, 
you know, basically being honest with kids, you know, we kind of came back around to that and said, oh shit, we're out of time. Sorry. So I would, I would urge anybody listening. If you want to hear more about that, we did talk at length about that in your full episode. They should check that out because there's some really good stuff there. That's a great point. Sorry, Kathy. I didn't mean to. No, no, it's true. We did. And we, we, If if literature and art is is about anything, it's about accurately depicting you know our experience in the world, whether it that's through you know fantastical tentacles or not, it doesn't matter. It's about accurately depicting the experience of being alive, and that's what it's supposed to do. And if you, why would you lie, right? Why would you want to to falsify that? It, it's not going to help anybody, and then. It doesn't make good fiction either. So that's true. Like horrible moral stories that have a moral that you're, you know, no one likes those. They're not fun. And fun is good, right? And fun is good. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. Not to get too crazy carried away with this, but Brian and I have talked about it where we've seen it doesn't even matter what the details are, but people saying you shouldn't use these words because they're bad and, um, basically have a bad guy say oh oh he's bad and and just kind of talk like you're a baby with a undeveloped vocabulary for an adult it's like this is so unrealistic no one no publisher's gonna take your shit man and can be like this is not realistic it's, it's just it's weird how many people agree with i'm just gonna this is my opinion I'm speaking for myself stupid opinions <laughs> I do not speak for Brennan or the show. It's just me. <laughs> All right. My final thoughts are, Kathy, um, I love talking to you. Brennan, I love having you on. And um, as always, we would want you to come back whenever you want. So um, thank you for your time. And thank you for inspiring this little mini series that we are probably going to forever do. So appreciate it everything. Is, I'm so proud to hear that. So, But all the credit goes to Dr. Seuss, but I'll take a little credit. listeners the next episode is actually the season two's finale that's what john skip he's not going to be reading from dr seuss you can find that (laughs) you can find that on youtube somewhere else but uh that'll be this upcoming monday um season three will return mid-january 2022 the plan is to have rich shizmar start that season off so um looking forward to that and as always your main choices in podcasts. Thank you for picking us. You are now leaving Deadhead Space.